What's up, everybody? Welcome into Pace the Nation. Broadcasting back here at Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. We are back for episode 153 in the heart of Arlington County, overlooking beautiful Clarendon. I'm your host, Chris Farley. Alongside me, a full crew to get us through this episode. To my right, of course, is Joanna E. Russo. Joanna, what's up? Do you know how many miles I've driven in the past <laughs> nine days? Oh, man. Now, you missed last week's show because you were in New Jersey, so you were probably driving to and from the Jersey Marathon to your parents' house. I don't know. You probably took a trip up to see your brother in Maine. Eh, let's say, I don't know. Whoa, I didn't, go to, I didn't go to Maine. <laughs> a thousand miles. Let's go with a thousand miles. Uh, All right, let's get our, let's get our other co-host in. He can, he can venture a guess as well. To my left, of course, it's William E. Docs. Docs, what's up? I don't care to weigh in on this. Uh, I, I would like to circle back to you saying that we're overlooking Clarendon. <laughs> I was unaware that, that uh, we moved to the penthouse suite. <laughs> Studio, well, I mean, Studio 1B. Our chairs are high, so we're you know, somewhat <laughs> elevated here. My feet don't touch the floor. Yeah, see? <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean the chair is very high. Yeah, well, you know, people are walking by... Uh, they, they, you can venture uh, into Clarendon and see where we're uh, broadcasting from and decide for yourself. Is this overlooking Clarendon no. or is this, you know, kind of for looking those out of, upon Clarendon? For those of you that can't make the trip, the answer is no. <laughs> I think we're overlooking Clarendon. I feel like in a powerful position here uh-huh. in the studio. Uh-huh. Uh, so no guess on how many miles Joanna drove? Um, I think that when you said a thousand, well, I have a, I have a question for her. Mm-hmm. First of all, does it count as a mile that you drove, even if somebody else drove it? No, this is just the miles that I, where you were behind the wheel when I was behind the wheel. Okay. Yeah. And she seemed to balk at your thousand miles, <laughs> kind of like, oh, I better just move on from this. Right. So I think a thousand was too high. Okay. All right. So what, half that? I don't know. I'm just going to say that, that it's uh, triple digits. All right. Go ahead. 1,400. Mm. See? I, I so wasn't even close. Wow. <laughs> For I'm someone so who hates stupid. driving, that is a lot of driving. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of driving. And I think um, I'm just, like, not cut out for that much driving. Well, it was for a good cause. You did a great job. Uh, you did uh, uh, great great work at the New Jersey Marathon. Was it for a good cause or was it for your cause? <laughs> <laughs> it was for the business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's true. Which is a good cause. Come on. <laughs> you can't argue that. Come on, docs. Don't ask me to argue. You know <laughs> so, I will. So uh, you were traveling uh, to New Jersey, not to Maine, but wh- where was the bulk of that driving happening? That's a lot. I um, mean, well, to and from my parents' house to Princeton. Okay. And then from the race to my parents' house. Okay. And then uh, from you know dc to new jersey and new jersey to dc all right so that's 1400 miles and, right? and dro- a trip to cvs <laughs> and a trip to cvs <laughs> and i did drive the course a couple times yeah. helping to market oh nuts and a trip to a drugstore right right i don't, <laughs> don't want to give them too much Man. press uh all right well big show to get to today guys uh we're going to talk about the new jersey marathon what an awesome event that happened this past week we'll talk about uh some really inspiring finishes out there uh, mm-hmm. at New Jersey. Uh, Joanna was the elite coordinator. And in addition to that, we'll talk about your own race. <laughs> and then we'll talk about my, my, my uh, run for my 20th year of breaking three. Uh, you know, 
do we need to do a race at the end of the year or do we not need to do a race at the end of the year? Uh, how's that for a, a tease? Uh, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we also got some feedback on the program. Uh, so I want to I want to mention that uh, Docs took a field trip. You know, you usually think of field trips uh, when you're uh, maybe in middle school, high school, but Docs took a field trip. We want to get into that. Uh, and then we also have in studio the founder of one of my favorite running brands out there right now, Golden Harper, the founder of Ultra, will join us in studio to talk about his journey. Uh, creating these really unique shoes that uh, all of us are wearing right now. So it'll be great to catch up with Ultra, uh, Ultra's founder, Golden Harper. He's joined us before in our special edition running event podcast that we did uh, last December. So this will be his second time on the program. Finally, I, I want to touch on the Boston Marathon uh, one more time, and uh, maybe we'll start with that. Uh, great interview uh, last week with Sarah Sellers. Uh, really appreciate all the positive feedback. On Joanna, that. be honest. Did you listen to the episode even though you weren't on it? Well, I just. That's a no. She's been busy. That's fine. Uh, you would think that 1,400 miles in the car, she'd find some time to listen <laughs> to our podcast, but that's fine. Let's move on. We did miss you, uh, but Sarah was, was great. Uh, we. Uh, you know, talked about her and her second place finish. And, uh, you know, to me, that was, you know, as big of a story as Desi Linden uh, winning the race, which also was a, a just a huge story. Desi Linden winning the, the Boston Marathon, the first woman to do it in 33 years. Uh, I want to recommend a, a an article from Runner's World. And that's what I wanted to talk to mm-hmm. you guys about. An article from Runner's World uh, that uh, was, was pretty unique uniquely written um we'll tweet out the link uh so follow us at pace the nation on twitter uh we'll tweet out the link it, it can't it it was from about seven or eight different people's perspectives uh including desi linden desi's husband desi's coach desi's agent uh shalane flanagan uh the elite uh race uh, coordinator uh so a bunch of different people's perspective and it was just quotes from them and that was the entire article. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, they also had a quote from last week's guest, Sarah Sellers. So a lot of really uh, cool kind of behind the scenes information about the race. Uh, Shalane Flanagan talked about how she was like delirious. She mm-hmm. thought maybe at one point she was winning the race. Then she wasn't sure. Then she started walking. And then she saw these people uh, passing her that you know she didn't recognize so she wasn't sure where she was uh the women's elite bike spotter uh quote this was his quote he said it was surreal and then i said it's bib number 42 coming in second which is sarah sellers and they said no no that can't be right is what the is what the uh the announcers told our uh, uh the the women's elite bike spotter uh nobody could believe it so that was really cool so really good article uh, we will tweet it out at Pace the Nation. Uh, really, really well done way to write it. And finally, the kicker was that um, Caitlin Kay's uh, video uh, that has become viral uh, also made the made, made the article as well. So uh, check that out, Runner's World article. Um, so Steve, make sure you get that out to the uh, uh, to the uh, uh, to the audience. And also, Steve, pick up my dry cleaning. Um, so I, I mentioned also that we had some feedback, 
Um, you can give us a review on iTunes, and uh, we usually re- read those reviews if they're five stars. You know, I'll say if there aren't five stars, we'll probably re- read them. Um, so, is that true? Do we read them? Yeah, we've we've actually read. I've went through them. We've read them all, except for this one from We Geico who gave us five stars and he said it was a great weekly catch up on running news and random topics. So, uh, thank you. We gay co for, uh, giving us a five star review and you can give us a five star review on iTunes. Do that for us, you know, help us out. That would be awesome. Um, I also posted the Sarah Sellers interview on let's run one of Joanna's favorite sites. Um, and I posted in the message board, which, you know that message board can be. I don't know. Is this why you told kind. me to be ready for uh, uh, criticism? Yeah, I think they can be less than kind at times. Um, but you know, a lot of people read that message board. So I said, you know, check out this this interview. Uh, and somebody had a uh, a piece of feedback for us, and this one's from New Inventions. He wrote, uh, "There are new inventions now that can be used on the internet, videos like YouTube." It's time that you come out of the dark ages and move up. Who's going to listen to long, boring audio nowadays with no video? Not me, that's for sure. Okay, well, here's my rebuttal, because I'm entitled to a rebuttal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care that you don't listen. Um, <laughs> well, if like he's not the, listening, the, then you, yeah, you can't even... Exactly. You're but not even the, talking to him, unfortunately. Like, that's such an ignorant, stupid comment. Like, why did that guy need to take the time to say that? I thought we were going to get something constructive. But how about while you're driving uh, 1,400 miles to support the New Jersey uh, Marathon? Do you think Joanna could watch a video while she's driving all that? No. No. She's got to listen. Do you think that anybody besides Farley watches videos while they run? No. You could listen to a podcast while you run. Uh, <laughs> that's true. I do watch videos when I run sometimes. I know. You watch football games because yes. you're an idiot. <laughs> but the point is that uh, there, this, there is a medium for this. And everybody who's listening right now probably supports my argument because mm-hmm. they're listening right now. So I'm preaching to the right choir. I'm not going to a YouTube convention and making this, <laughs> right. this argument. Well, I just wanted to give some feed. I wanted to, to, to make this an equal uh, opportunity forum here. So no, give- that's stupid. <laughs> well, I, I just don't want to read the good stuff. I don't know. Well, that that was really bad stuff. Yeah. Well, I not helpful. Was, I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. We did do the uh, the the. Uh, hey, the, bud! The, if you <laughs> want us to be on video, why don't you like us on Facebook? Once we get five hundred, we're gonna start doing yeah. Facebook videos. Well, we we did uh, we did a Facebook live video. Yeah. Of you at uh, the St. Baldrick's. Yeah. Uh, did you thumbs up my Facebook <laughs> video? No. Probably. Well, then then why don't you back up your little argument there? With your actions. Well, it, Joanna, chime in for crying out loud. No, this is exactly how the Let's Run message boards yeah. happen. It degrades pretty quickly. So I just like to yeah, read. Yeah, I don't you're like to participate. Gonna, you're going to be above the fray. I get it. That's, that's cool. Uh, well, I was going to suggest our listeners go and reply to New Inventions. That's his, that's his username. Um, I, I assume that's probably his first name isn't new and his last name's not inventions, I would assume. Uh, but reply to him and let him know uh, what you think uh, about his his uh, response. I uh, don't care if you do reply to him or not. <laughs> I, I really think that it's kind of a waste of time, to be honest. Yeah, probably. Uh, and, and I honest, I don't want to be uh, a podcast that's that's begging people to go beat up on some Internet troll. Well. <laughs> I, I really think Internet trolls should be ignored. 
Well, this is uh, this is the response I wanted. So I, I'm glad that uh, Doc's uh, you gave me what I wanted. So uh, I actually appre- appreciate new inventions. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so uh, before we get to Golden, uh, let's touch on the New Jersey Marathon. Um, an incredible uh, weekend. I said there was inspiring performances. Uh, the number one was former guest Jamie Watts completed the entire marathon. She's our, our friend who has cerebral palsy. Uh, she was on Pace the Nation uh, a few months ago and talked about her journey through to uh, run 34 races in 34 uh, a- a- before her 34th birthday. She completed that uh, and then took it to the next level by doing uh, the entire marathon. Uh, Joanna, I wasn't at the finish when she finished, unfortunately, but tell us kind of like what that experience was like when Jamie Watts finished. Uh, so we had a radio. She had um, Pat Dalby was with her walking the whole time. And she also had a team of people um, keeping an eye on her. She started at 943 the night before the marathon. Wow. Um, and we had radio that she was, you know, she's at mile 25 or she's a mile 26. So when she was at mile 26, like everybody from the Pacer staff got cowbells and we're just like lining oh, the side awesome. and Edward, who's, who had come up from DC, he's typically a DJ at the Pacers races. He makes an announcer. Yeah, yeah. And he was announcing the finish line. So here. he makes the announcement that Jamie's coming and he tells the crowd, um, what Jamie's about to accomplish and like everybody got super into it on the crowd wow. and then the cowbells were going and then everybody from Pacers gets really emotional and we're we're all cry- one person cries everybody cries uh, um, unlike and- right now <laughs> yeah she's about to cry I'm about uh-huh. to cry it's incredible um and Jamie's face when she crossed the finish line is just like it's like that's why that's why I work in this industry and that's why we do what we do. It's just, it's an incredible moment and you should have been there. I know. I know. <laughs> I, tr- I truly should have. Um, yeah. I, 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 I like that little, little explanation I agree. point. I mean, I, you are kind of getting emotional. It's hard not to, to see what she accomplished, what she's, you know, had to fight through to, to get that, that thing done is, is incredible. It took her just under 13 hours. Like it's just, it's incredible just how Jamie approaches every challenge that she wants to do. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, it was raining the night before. We, yeah, it's it's incredible. We we will do um, that uh, more justice in the future. We'll get Jamie on um, the podcast to tell us all about it uh, in the very near future. Um, but I, I was sorry to miss it. But I saw the videos and and you know just watching the videos, I was crying. It was it was incredible. Um, so that was that was amazing. Um, uh, like you said, she started at 9:43 the night before and finished about 14 and a half later. 14 and a half hours later, uh, she f- completed the 26.2 miles. Unbelievable. Um, there has been some questions uh, about uh, my marathon. Uh, and yeah, and a performance not as magnificent. <laughs> right, not <laughs> even close. But uh, I did um, run uh, in a little bit more understated fashion than my 19th uh marathon in a year in a row under three i did uh break three hours i ran 256 uh on just a great day to run uh weather was great course was great support was great pacers energy was great um so i uh knocked out the 20th early this year and Thank goodness. I've got plans in December. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I, I just will say this. I, I finished and it was, 
it was a really cool moment. I, I, you know, I run the marathon a number of times, but this one really was meaningful. And um, I thought about a lot about last year and how I had given up. And I said, ah, it's not going to happen. And I was, as I was finishing that last mile and I knew I had it, I was like, wow. Did I'm... you start grandstanding like you did in December? <laughs> <laughs> did you there was pump a little, your fist? There was a little fist pumping. There, there was, was fist pumping. There was. Uh, there was. I think it was, emo- I think it was pure emotion, not grandstanding. But So uh, did you have a root beer float? How did you celebrate? You could, <laughs> two, two and a half root beer floats. I did. I did not. I, I, I earned it, though. I got I to gotta go, uh, go track down a root beer float. Maybe tonight. Uh, but, uh, yeah, did... Uh, was was very excited and and just you know it was it was really cool that was able to to accomplish that and um was thankful that uh we were able to do it last year and i've got you guys and a lot of other pacers folks to thank for uh getting that 19th one done so number 20 that's right there's no 20 if there's no 19 that's right number 20 in the books and uh thanks for the messages and support from 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 people who tweeted and uh, message me on Strava and on on Twitter as well. All right, a guy who could easily break 256, amongst many other things, is going to join us next. The founder of Ultra, which is a great uh, running shoe brand that we carry here at Pacers Running, is going to join us next. Ultra founder Golden Harper next here on Pace the Nation. <music> All right, welcome back to the program. And now, guys, Joanna Docks, we are excited to have the founder of Ultra in studio. It's Golden Harper. Golden, how are you? Thanks for joining us, man. I am fabulous. Thanks for having me. Well, I am thrilled to have you here in Studio 1A, downtown Clarendon. Beautiful day here. Uh, We've got a big event tonight that... There's no use promoting because it's already happened, obviously. You all missed it. Yeah, you all missed it. I'm sure it was <laughs> Sorry. It was a huge event that, that you, you were uh, presenting at, and I'm sure it went awesome. But This crazy uh, stuff happened. It, yeah, it, it, was, it yeah. was great. But we are, we are thrilled to have you. And this is actually your second time on our show. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe, well, maybe this your listeners a, don't realize that he was on at the running event, right, Docs? Correct. Yeah, this is, he's been called up to the big show. <laughs> yeah, Does right. that count big towards leagues. the golden jacket? Yeah, I think we'll have to we'll have to table that discussion for a private. So setting. if if okay. you go, come on <laughs> so many times, you get a golden jacket. So right. uh, yeah, so Ooh, you, a golden I guess jacket. every every jacket he yeah. wears is golden. <laughs> it's a golden jacket. Touché. There you go. Uh, well, psyched to have you here, Golden. We're going to talk uh, a lot about your business. Uh, you're the founder of Ultra. Uh, if people don't know who Ultra or what Ultra is. Uh, they are a fantastic running brand. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Ultra, and then we'll get into you know h- how you started and all that stuff. Um, you know, I just simply describe it as this is a brand that is, I think, the first brand that is built to uh, make running shoes from a scientific basis rather than a marketing basis. So our goal is to make shoes that help people to run the way they were born to run, to run more efficiently, uh, to reduce impact, and, and to have less injuries. And, and whatever we have to do to accomplish that, we will. And, uh, and then, you know, along those lines, we just uh, are trying to build stuff that's comfortable and people like and, and stuff that works. For, for, for runners, and you've yeah. always been a runner. Um, yeah. You know, it's crazy. I've, I've read a lot of, uh, about you and your history of running. Uh, Joanna, did you realize he ran a marathon when he was eight years old? 
Yeah, and it was like some ridiculous time. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I think three, 308? 308. 308 yeah. at 10. At 10. Let's oh, not I'm do, sorry. I'm I sorry. wanted yeah. to run when I was yeah, eight, yeah. and the parents were like, no, <laughs> people will surely know we're child abusers. <laughs> right, right. Um, if we wait till you're 10, they'll only be suspect, you know. <laughs> so, so take us back to then, because you've always been a runner. And, I mean, a 308 marathon, people train all their lives to run that. Run that. That's incredible. Yes, what happened is I I wanted to run the year before. I was was eight turning nine, and and my parents said, you know, obviously, no, that's incredibly insane. (laughs) And uh, that year, the youngest runner in the race got the performance of the day trophy, which is a six-foot-tall trophy. Wow. And I was, like, three feet tall. So, like, (laughs) coolest thing ever, right, to to a young person. And so I chewed my parents out to no end. And finally, my dad's like, okay, okay, okay. Like, just – you can run the marathon next year. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, if you run to the top of Mount Timpanogos and back run, do rim to rim in the grand Canyon. And these other couple of things that were, you know, clearly harder than All right, I, I'm geographically challenged. So where, <laughs> where, where is, I know this is West mountainous area. Where yep. are we talking here? Uh, so Mount Timpanogos is in, is on the Wasatch front in Utah. It's kind of the most okay. famous mountain there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, you got to climb 5,000 vertical feet and Ooh. back. So it's arguably harder than a marathon on yes. the road. And then the grand Canyon down right. in Arizona running North rim to South rim again, about 25 miles, 7,000 feet of gain, uh, 5,000 feet So of did drop. you do this before the marathon? Yeah, I had to do all this. So uh, my dad thought I wouldn't, so wow. that's why he said, you did know. Did he you... do it with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was there. So cause... Yeah, so it is definitely not child abuse. No, I think, like, it was more know. like he was worried I was going to die, right, you know, kill right, myself. Right. Um, and he, the problem is he just really underestimated the power of a six-foot-tall trophy on a three-foot-tall person. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, that's what it came down to, you know. So for me, I was like, I don't care. Rim, run rim to rim in the Grand Canyon. I'm, I'm going to get that six-foot-tall trophy, you know. So, wow. That's, um, that's so what was cool. the marathon that gave away this trophy? So this was St. George Marathon, and this was the Dole Performance of the Day Award. Do they still give it out? That's a good question. Uh, I didn't stick around for the awards <laughs> ceremony long enough last year to find out. Somebody Did, check that for us. Tweet us at Pace. Yeah, that'd be cool to yeah. know, actually. I think I think that there's a lot of follow-up questions. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to cut to the end of the, okay. end of the uh, interview here. Yes. Did you get the trophy? Um, I got a trophy. Um, so... I, I ran 308 that year, which is state record, and mm-hmm. I, I got a plaque, and they gave the trophy to the oldest person. So I thought, oh. need to be more impressive. So then I'm motivated the next right. year. Come back, run 257, national best. I get another plaque, and right. the trophy goes to, like, a disabled runner. So you're like, okay. Like, sure, yeah. yeah. All right, whatever. I can right. come yeah. back. Be more impressive next year. So I come back as a 12-year-old, run 245, which is the fastest any 12-year-old human being has ever run a marathon on planet Earth. And, and so, he's not, I mean, he's, he's just saying a fact. He's not bragging. That's mm-hmm. just a fact, which is incredible. 245. Well, he's, he's stating facts to uh, show the absurdity. Right. Of not this, getting the of trophy. not getting the six-foot <laughs> trophy. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I finally got the trophy. No. <laughs> No, no, I never, never got. I ran a little faster than actually. I never got the trophy, but I have no idea what I'd do with that today. Right? You know, that would be in an attic somewhere where these little like six inch plaques that I did get, uh, they they sit. You know, they hang. Well, on my there's wall. literally cool. a um, a a six foot tall caricature cutout of me sitting right next to you in our studio. So we Indeed would probably we would we'd probably take that trophy and leave it in our studio. So mm-hmm. if if you do track it down, we're also looking for it. giant checks. Like yes. if you ever get a road ra- a check in a road race, yeah. we want those too. Yeah, okay. We, we like overstated stuff in this podcast. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, this too. tiny room. I like yeah. ridiculous yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, so 240 I mean, I think we just glossed over the fact that he ran 245 as a 12-year-old. Um, 
I, that that is incredible. Can you? I mean, I just wanted to ask a follow up question on that. Like, were you training rim to rim every day for that, or what kind of training went into that? Do you do you remember? You know, yeah. Um, I would do mile repeats, and I just I honestly just chased deer up in the mountains a lot. <laughs> to be completely honest, like a dog. Um, yeah, like a dog. <laughs> yeah. I uh-huh. it, to me it was just fun. You know, I mean, there were days where there were hard workouts, but for the most part, it was just fun. My parents ran. My next door neighbors ran. I just thought people ran. That's what people do. I was the kid who showed up to kindergarten and was like, hey, how's it going? Where do you run? You know, and people <laughs> were like, uh, what? yeah, what are you talking about? You know, so, um, so it was just, you know, to me, it was just fun. I was just, I was just out there having a great time. Well, you, know? you didn't burn yourself out. You went on to have a successful running career at... And uh, I don't remember B- any of it. <laughs> BYU? No, yeah. you don't remember any of it. Well, you burned too many brain cells running that long, you know? <laughs> right, right. So you run at BYU and then uh, go out and, and after college, I believe, run your first ultra marathon, mm. uh, 50-mile ultra marathon, and win the race. Yeah. So uh, that, that's pretty fantastic. Uh, yeah. How was that experience? That was amazing uh, just because I... I'm one of those guys who, like, I don't want to go out there. You know, you, you see, like, the Higdon training plan. It's like mm-hmm. your last long run's 18 miles. Right. And I'm like, bull crap. Like, <laughs> if I'm going to go run a marathon, like, and I'm racing it, I'm going to know what that experience is like before I tow the line. Right. So, you know, I did a couple runs that took, you know, just as long, if not longer than my race, it, prepping for that. Uh, and I actually dropped out of my first ultra because I, I got the stomach flu and mm-hmm. I lost too much weight and they pulled me off the course and put me on a stretcher. And that can happen, man. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and my whole family had it, but, uh, mm-hmm. so for this one, I, I came in kind of knowing what to expect. I had run 20 miles with Carl Meltzer, the previous one, who's kind of like the, you know, the God of ultra Star, running basically. Right. And so I had a little bit better idea and I, I trained, uh, you know, really well and, and did my long runs and, you know, it basically, you know, I get dropped off at my grandparents' house, which is about 45 miles from my parents' house, and you know, tell my parents I'd, I'd run home. See, this, you know. is, this is insane. And, uh, I, and I, just run through the mountains the whole way home. I, I am starting so. to worry about his child. I mean, would, I, <laughs> child protected services at this point. I mean, this is back. Things in have that, changed. Yeah, finally. things have yeah. changed. I think this was. I'm 25. You know, yeah. 25 years old at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Right. make oh, my own decisions. Oh, that, that, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> you as the 12 year old golden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very true. So, uh, so you, you, along all along this this time that you're doing all this these races and you're running, you're working in your parents' running store. Yeah, uh, so, started. Yeah. Nine. So, w- when did you start that? Tell us about that experience. So, we opened the store when I was nine, mm-hmm. and it was literally five dudes put in five hundred bucks and worked their day off. Hmm. And when somebody couldn't work, I had to work. Um, <laughs> Even at and, nine and ten years old. Yeah. Wow. So I, I, the first time I got left alone at the store, I was ten. Wow. And uh, trust me, no one listens to a ten-year-old unless you totally know your stuff. You know, like right. people are just like, oh, "Yeah, I'm out of here." Right. So that's it, true. Yeah, you, know, you got to drop some serious knowledge on people before I, they kind of give you the look like I have no idea what. Dude, I, I say that all the time to our young employees. They have got to be better than our thirty-five-year-old employees. Yeah. So what uh, age is James going to start working? <laughs> the store <laughs> well i guess the standard's 10 so well, it I depends think, on how much he's training right that's, that's true so my son is two so yeah probably eight more so years i have eight now. more years before i can put him on the schedule <laughs> yes, okay. exactly. yeah, i got a two-year-old too so yeah there we go yeah. all right 
Yeah. Well, uh, they're they're wow. They're, they're going to be competitive to see who uh, can can work the store. For, I, mean, I, I I James has no chance against it. Your 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 kid. You know what's the worst part about running a world best marathon at, at yeah. age twelve? Mm-hmm. My life has been all downhill yeah. ever since. <laughs> like, it's like it's like I will never ever right. accomplish anything of that level <laughs> ever true. again. That's Isn't so. there a good pun in there about downhill running? There's Come on, Joanna. Yeah. yeah. There's got to be. I had my I had my joke. Right. Yeah. Right. It's been all downhill. Yeah. Right. There right. we go. You know. All right. So you're working in the store. At 10 years old, literally being left in the store. Uh, obviously, you, you you are learning shoes. You're you know learning about the business. And um, I kind of when did you know that this is kind of w- what you wanted to do? Uh, I think you know even before I went off to college, I felt like I'd love to spend the rest of my life working in a running store and, mm-hmm. and fixing people. I started managing the store before I even went to college. Okay. So I'm I'm doing the buying. I'm doing the ordering. Uh, I'm you know inventory floor management shifts, you name it, you know? Um, and I loved it. Like, yeah. I just thought this is so great. And my favorite thing is being on the floor. S- most people come in cause something hurts and, and getting a chance to fix those people. I love that, you know? And I, I really wanted to know how to be better at that. And really, I mean, the problem in it, it for me at the running store is we didn't get any scientific information mm-hmm. on how to actually help people. We're not trained as doctors. Um, which turns out I've found since doesn't matter because doctors don't receive any shoe training whatsoever. Um, and yet the only training we get is from the shoe companies, which uh, doesn't make any sense because that tends to be extremely biased and skewed. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I wanted to go to college and just research the, out of this stuff and just see, you know, what, how I could better help my people. So when did you, so let's take us back to when you're, you're you're a teenager. You're managing the store, or you're you're in your twenties. What 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 year are we talking about here? So in the early two thousands. Yeah, or, I would have been yeah. managing the store like late nineties. Late nineties. Okay. Um, yeah. I go off to college in two thousand. Okay. And, um, and at that time, I mean, the, the shoes you're 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 that you are that you're selling is nothing like the product that you ultimately made. What were the challenges and right. in, in selling this product that? Obviously, you you didn't necessarily. I don't want to say you didn't believe in, but you thought there maybe was something better. Yeah, I mean, I fully believed in it, and I was like, I mean, I love shoe technology, mm-hmm. so I was like the biggest shoe geek kid ever. I thought Saucony Grid ground reaction inertia device was like the right. coolest technology ever. We've you know, lost like, most of our audience, but you and I yeah, are vibing right? this. Okay. Yeah, and you know, yeah, we had yeah, gel and yeah, hydroflow yeah, yeah, and yeah. just like all this cool right. stuff. And, and Nike was evil cause my dad worked for him <laughs> and they had no ethics and whatever. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, you know, so I just love shoe technology and I go to college and it's like, Oh crap. Like shoe problems are like, f- uh, running injuries are worse now than they were mm-hmm. back when shoes were hard and flat and did nothing. You know, and that kind of rocked my world a bit. Like, I'm like, so how come all the, these technologies that I love aren't fixing people? You know, how come injuries are getting worse? And then I stumble upon this thing where we look at the way people run. And 50 years ago, before modern shoes, before shoes had elevated heavy heels and, and whatnot, um, basically nobody's overstriding. Right. And here we are 50 years later, and 80% of the population is overstriding. And I'm kind of looking like, oh, maybe there's a connection there. Like, people you know, used to run pretty good. Now they run like crap. Um, and injuries are higher now and shoe technology doesn't seem to be making a difference. There's gotta be a missing piece of the puzzle here. Um, and that's where, you know, I kind of just got everything turned around. I ended up going to Hawaii for two years to study with this Finnish mm-hmm. uh, researcher named Yoke Kakonen. Mm-hmm. And he did all this research on how stronger toes equaled less injuries and faster. And, you know, we know that the, the African runners, the Kenyans had stronger toes and stronger feet and they dominate us. Um, 
And so these guys developed this toe strengthening machine. It's like weightlifting for your toes, which sounds ridiculous. But they could show significant results that as people's toes got stronger, they got faster. And so he'd done all this cool running research. So I, I go out to study with this guy. And, you know, before I know it, I'm like, everything I know is wrong. Like right. everything I've been teaching people my whole life is like, some of it's true, but most of it's like, it's just scientifically not true. And so I kind of come back from Hawaii. And the other thing that happened there is, I get there as somebody who's worked in a running store my whole life, putting people in supportive shoes and insoles. Right. And there's all these 400 pound dudes walking around barefoot or in slippers, right. you know? And I'm like, Hey, how are they not injured? Yeah. I'm yeah. like, Hey, don't your feet hurt? Right. And they're like, bro, what you talking about? <laughs> you know, I'm like, you're like you're right. a big guy and you're walking around with no support. Don't your feet hurt? No, bro. <laughs> my feet don't hurt. I'm like, okay. You know, right. like, yeah. Uh, so I'm now I'm like, Whoa, you know, and I'm it's blowing your mind. I start right. running barefoot on the beach because there's no roads to run on out there, and it's just more fun to run barefoot on the beach. Mm -hmm. And I'm loving that. I'm running 100 miles a week. I'm never injured, and and all of a sudden, like my whole world's kind of getting flipped upside down. And and the next thing I know, I wake up and I think, oh my gosh, I'm going to be one of those guys that lives down by the beach, surfing every day, which I'm doing, right. you know, with my guitar and my dog, doing loving my life and contributing absolutely nothing, nothing to society, right. you know? So I packed up, moved home, went back to managing the store <laughs> and, but I get back and I'm like, Oh wow. Everything I know is kind of like fuzzy now. Cause the you know? shoes that you had in the store weren't meeting what you thought the real needs were of the customers. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't that, you know, it, it felt like I was getting them better, um, when I'm there, but you know, if you really look at the data, that wasn't the case. Yeah. So, um, and just knowing that injuries were getting worse and foot problems are like a massive epidemic and growing exponentially each year. Um, and the, the quote unquote, better our shoes get, the worse our feet get. It's the whole pretty shoes, ugly feet, uh, syndrome that, that we really have in America right now. So, so I come back to that and I'm just, I'm spinning a little bit, you know? Yeah. So everybody's seen, if, if you Google, uh, uh, golden, you know, you see a picture of him with a toaster. Um, so when does the, the, the toaster and the shoe modification start? <laughs> Is that, you know, Pretty right, quick. right, right then when, after you come back from Hawaii and you have this revelation, Is it always kitchen appliances that start running revolutions? <laughs> yeah, no. uh, I'm thinking yeah, Bowerman and the Waffle yeah, Iron. No, that's a good point. I didn't think that. That is a good point. I probably wouldn't have done it if I would have thought of that. Cause <laughs> right, the, right. the irony was obviously lost on me. Right. Um, but, uh, I think. Yeah, so I come back. We had we had got these. We were the first running store in America to carry Vibram Five Fingers, which mm -hmm. are these foot gloves, right? And we brought them in just to sell to people to strengthen their feet. Back to the uh, toe strength research, um, and to work on their running technique. What's what's the store name, by the way? Runner's Corner. Runner's Corner. Yeah. Okay. And where where is this store? It, it's in Utah. And you still there? Or uh, I don't really go in there right, very often. Right. Right. My parents still own it. Got and it. Gotcha. We, you know, we train distance the store no from question from, possible, from your but, business yeah um yeah okay. so they get like reverse favoritism you know like the last to find right. out about things right, you know. right right um but in all seriousness uh we we get these five fingers and we're the first running store to carry them and we're selling them as a foot strengthening and, and form training tool to wear on easy runs a couple times a week and we just all at the same time, high speed video becomes available to people that aren't rich, you mm -hmm. know, so you can see people running really clearly in really slow motion. So we start filming people in these five fingers to see what it's doing to their stride. And lo and behold, it looks really similar to barefoot mm. and we're filming them just to see, and it looks like, wow, these people actually run with pretty low impact. You know, maybe there's something to this. Um, 
and we're all about form, uh, and I can get into that in a minute. It all goes back to my dad uh, having uh, no cartilage in his knee, being mm-hmm. bone on bone. So, you know, we, anybody who comes in the door, they get a lesson on how to protect their body when they run. Mm-hmm. And so, as we're we're filming, we're like, well, why don't we why don't we film this same guy we just filmed in Five Fingers in in the shoes we just sold him? You know, let's throw those uh, let's throw those rides on him and, and see what it looks like. And, and these are built up for our listeners. These are built up shoes that you know the, the traditional the, running, yeah, shoes. traditional yeah. running shoes with every with, shoe on with the wall, a, right? With yeah. with a high heel counter and all, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and at the time, you know, hundred percent basically of all running shoes were exactly twice as thick in the heel as they were in the right. forefoot. Um, and so you know we we put this guy in on film and it's like oh crap like. He's running like garbage compared to what he was five minutes ago in the five fingers. But we know the five fingers aren't sustainable. I'm training for a 50-mile rocky race in the mountains at the time, so not an option. Right. Most of our customers have weak feet, and they're running around on you know hard streets and man-made surfaces. So, again, like not an option unless they want to spend an entire year going through build a regimen to build up to it, right. which we know virtually no one was willing to do. And so that wasn't really a solution for us but as we start watching the film we start filming a bunch of our customers we film them in the five fingers we film them in the shoes we're selling them and they they genuinely look a lot worse and what we would see is people would overstride by about three inches more uh, in the traditional shoe than they would without a shoe on and so the shoes were clearly changing people's biomechanics for the worse uh, and any of you can do this, just put people on a treadmill for five minutes, film them in slow motion, film them with shoes, film them without shoes, and, and you can see a pretty visible change within five minutes on just about anybody. Hmm. And it's it's visual. It's easy to see. You know, when you measure it, it's inches. We're not talking millimeters of pronation here. We're talking inches of change. And so as I get looking at that, I'm like, as we see it, we see what happens is the foot comes out in front of the body, and when somebody has a shoe on, their 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 heel drops and their toes pop up in the air a little bit. And without a shoe on, they stay a little bit more parallel to the ground. And then uh, what would happen is the foot catches the ground a couple inches earlier than it does when there's not a shoe on. So um, the foot lands out in front of the knee, and it's, your, your knee can't bend to let this big three-foot spring that runs from your hip down to your foot bend and absorb impact mm-hmm. when your foot lands out in front of your knee. It's just not, it's not really possible. And so basically what happens is you take the body's natural shock absorbing mechanism out of play and you make the shoe do the shock absorption. And anybody can figure out that this is a bad idea. Just jump half inch in the air right now and land squarely right. on your heels with your knee, knees hurt. locked and you'll fill it all the way up to your neck, jump 20 times higher and just let your body do its thing. And boom, it feels way better. Right. And so we're watching this and and my dad is like, man, I teach everybody who comes in this store a lesson on how to protect their body. And then it looks like I sell them a pair of shoes that undoes everything I teach them right. every single time they go run. Hmm. That's just not a fair fight. you know. And that was a really frustrating moment for us. So I get obsessed with breaking down, like, why is the shoe doing this? Why is the shoe changing the way people run? Um, and shoe specs weren't published back then. You didn't, you know, you didn't have heights and thicknesses and stuff. That, that just wasn't a thing in catalogs. It just basically said high cushion, medium cushion, low cushion. All shoes were built the same way. You spec a certain amount of cushion in the front. They double it in the back. Right. That's just how shoes are built. And I find out that's the case. So you start looking at shoes, and all the heavy stuff and all the cool stuff is in the back half of the shoe. It's in the heel. Um, and running shoe marketing forever has been land on our cool cushioning technology, it will absorb the impact that's bad and it's going to save your joints. Um, And the math 
and the science behind that are, are, are both really, really bad. Um, and so I start looking at the shoes and it's like, wow, they're, they're a lot thicker in the back and they're a lot heavier in the back. So maybe because the shoe's a lot heavier in the back half of the shoe than it is in the front, that's why their heel drops when it swings out in front of the body. And maybe because it's thicker in the back, that's why it ends up catching the ground early and can't get back underneath the body the way it's meant to. And so that's when the toaster oven came around. <laughs> and and so this about this probably the same time, everybody, you know, a little, probably a lot of our listeners know the book Born to Run. And mm-hmm. the and so this was sort of the same time frame-ish. Yeah, Born to Run is coming out just after this. After this. Yes. So I, well, that was one of my questions. Did did this spur you to, to did Born to Run sort of, was that the impetus for you to, to actually do this? But it sounds like you were you were ahead of this before the Tarahumara Indians or the, 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 the book, all that stuff came out. Yeah, it certainly added fuel to the fire. Sure, yeah. yeah. But I had a fundamental disagreement with uh, some of the things in the book. You sure. Know? I mean, people took the book to be like, oh, get rid of your shoes and everything will get better. Right. Well, the Tarahumara are wearing an inch-thick tire sandals. You right. know? They might be level. Um, you know, the thickness heel, the forefoot might be the same, but they're not running on nothing. They're not right. running barefoot, you know, right. uh, they actually have protection and, and protection is speed. So, um, but it did add fuel to the fire for sure. So you have the toaster oven and well, let's get to like what the toast, what you did with the toaster oven. You got your traditional running shoes in the back. You, ha- you don't have your tool shed of ultra shoes yet. You right. haven't built right. those yet. So, uh, you're you're you go you're you're going and manipulating what you currently have in inventory in the back at this yeah. point, right? Yeah. So I grab um, a pair of shoes that looks easy to modify. It's got a one-piece outsole, um, and I tell my dad like, "Hey, I, you know, I've been looking at the video and looking at the way shoes built, and I think it's because the back half of the shoe is so much heavier and thicker. Mm-hmm. It's it's causing people to land wrong." And he's like, well, that makes sense. Let's, uh, you know, and I'm like, I, I think if I could, you know, melt the outsole off and, and take the midsole out and make a shoe that was weight balanced front to back, uh, we might be honest, we could test it. You know, we can look at the film and he's like, oh yeah, 275 degrees. Wait till the glue bubbles. You know, I used to do this all the time. I beat Rod Dixon in a race because I put jazz outsole on a shoe and, and it, it snowed and I had traction and he didn't, he was slipping around the whole time. And anyway, he was cut always, from the same cloth. Yeah, you exactly. guys are, yeah, yeah man. So, um, so I do this and I just put this shoe in the toaster oven. I left it in too long. I didn't know what I was doing and laces melted. Some of the <laughs> TPU melted. It was hideous, you know, but I pull it out, grab a pair of pliers and rip that rubber off the bottom Okay. and rip the, um, midsole out. And I got a shoe that didn't have like a heel counter in the back. So it was, it was basically, you know, weight balanced. It wasn't heavier in the back. And then, and then I put in Spenco foam. Okay. I just got some layers of Spenco foam. As your outsole. As my midsole. As your midsole. Okay, Yeah, gotcha. so that's gotcha. the cushioning. And if you know Spenco foam, got it's real cushy, supportive yeah, yeah. stuff. It's, what if it's you awesome. don't know Spenco yeah, foam? Yeah, see, I'm, we're losing docs Just imagine, yeah. like, really cushy, <laughs> yeah. like, kind of super supportive, bouncy, like, never wears out, really durable stuff. And we just put yeah. layers where of stuff in Where does one find there. Spenco foam? Um, a lot of places. Yeah, have it. I know yes. where to find a toaster oven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Spenco, I mean, it, it was, that, those were actually the inserts at that time because yeah. we had the store. Some that, running that stores like, have it. Yeah, that, yeah. that was like our, one of our most popular Probably uh, cross trainer that, yeah. or something at yeah, the time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they sell sheets of this stuff. Right. And they also sell the what they call comfort insoles, which are just like, uh, you know, they're shaped like a shoe. But So I just got stacks of that. So, that, so that's your 
midsole. Okay, yeah. so you're putting that underneath. You've, yep. t- you've ripped off <laughs> Everything. the actual sole. Yeah, the shoes. just got the yep. covering of the yep. foot on top. Okay. Yep. Put the Spenco down, okay. glue that on, and then glue on. I'm using super glue gel at the time, uh, and the gel just works better for some reason. And then glue the rubber back on. Okay, so, so the rubber that was the outsole. Yeah, before. so the outsole is everything's the same gotcha. except the midsole. Okay, okay. You know? And I go run. And like for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm not fighting my form while I'm running right. a cushy, supportive shoe. So now, because like the, 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 the heel is no longer really built up. Right, it's the, the forefoot same, is right, built up right, basically, you right. know, and we've kind of leveled it out right. more or less. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, for uh, do- I just for the docs of the world who weren't mm-hmm. tracking here. How many docs are there in this world? <laughs> they're, they're, there's only one, that's for sure. But but so now it's now it's the zero drop. Uh, was that a, that's a term that you came up with, right? Yeah. So um, so what happened is it worked for me. We put it on the film and mm-hmm. we saw that. Yeah, people run in this shoe, right? Um, similar to the way they run without a shoe. So mm-hmm. we think we're kind of onto something, but we got tested on a higher scale. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling my dad, I'm like, I'm going to make these for all the staff, and he's like, in the toaster oven, like, <laughs> that's going to take some time. That's messy. Your mom is not right. going to be cool, <laughs> right. like, like it's set, you know. So he's like, you know, I, I'm real good friends with Robert down the street. He's he's a village shoemaker, mm-hmm. and he's a third generation shoemaker, and he'd love to help. That's you your out. guy. Nice. So okay. I walk in there with a pair of. Uh, like 25 pairs of 1984 Saucony Jazzes. And if you know anything about this shoe, they have two layers of midsole. There's one that's one color on the bottom, mm-hmm. and then there's the second color that's higher in the heel that drops down through the arch to the forefoot. Right. And I walk into Robert, and I say, hey, my dad sent me, and he says you're great, and I want to take this second layer of foam out so the heel doesn't drop down to the forefoot anymore, so you just have one level piece of foam underneath your foot. And he looks at me, and he's like, well, why would you want to do that? You want to deconstruct the shoe? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, what? why would you want to do that? And I, I start explaining to him what we're seeing on the film. Sure. And what we think it might do with people's posture. And also, like, we're just not born with our heel a half an inch or an inch in the air. It is a good question, you know? though. You bought all these shoes, and now you're just totally deconstructing them. Yeah, they're brand new. Them. Yeah, yeah. They're brand new shoes. Yeah, so he's obviously <laughs> kind of like, okay. Okay, all right. So he starts shaking his head as I tell him all this. And he's like, well, let me tell you something. As a third shirt, third generation shoemaker, and I'm a certified podorthist. Mm-hmm. That sure makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and I thought, okay, you know, he's so like, you're he's, I'll do it. You yeah, know, okay. I'm like, what's the price? He's like, ah, twenty bucks a pair. I'm like, okay, okay, twenty bucks a pair. You know, so he hacks up these twenty five pair, and I rack up a bill, and I get them and take them and put them on all my staff, and twenty four out of twenty five like them. And I'm wow, like, that's ninety six percent. That's we pretty were, good. Pretty good, you know. Yeah. Um, and what I haven't told you is that at this point for like the last 10 years, whenever anybody had a foot problem, my dad had been selling them their shoes, like two sizes too big and skipping the laces on the bottom half of the shoe mm-hmm. wide open. Mm-hmm. So the toes were basically hanging out in space in the right. shoe. So we were doing this in concert with, um, leveling out the shoe. So then we start bringing in our most popular models so we can modify up like normal shoes, right. you know, not. Not Stop. like the 1984 Saucony Yeah, jazzes. which we dubbed the Jazzy Zeros. Right, right, right. right, right. Um, so we go to modify these shoes, and Robert would measure to make sure the thickness was the same at heel and forefoot. So there, the shoe wasn't dropping from the heel down to the forefoot. And he'd use these millimeter rulers. And he's like, ah, it looks like it's still dropping two millimeters. You know, so wow. I'd, I'd be like, well, you know, sand the extra two millimeters out. We'll remeasure. And he doesn't. And he's like sitting there. He's like, it's dropping zero millimeters. And at this point, we're calling them hacked up modified shoes. Okay, <laughs> That's like, not a good market. We're literally like, you know, we're our trail shoe. We're doing the Cascadia mm-hmm. and we're doing like the Mountain Masochist. We, we're calling this shoe the Mountain Modified Masochist, you know, and we're calling it the hacked up Cascadia. Um, and... Uh, so he does this and I'm like, 
Robert, you're a genius. Like they're dropping zero millimeters. We yeah. call them zero drop. It just That's means that the cushion it. doesn't drop from the heel down to the forefoot. That's a way better marketing term than hacked up, hacked up modified shoes. <laughs> you know, up sounds like a horror movie. I know, so, right? Yeah, it yeah, does. So, so I, think, I mean, it's literally what we're doing though. We're literally yeah. hacking shoes up. So, um, so this is where this term zero drop comes. So, from. how many shoes initially did you commit? So, you gave all your staff shoes yeah. of these zero drop shoes. Robert's, re, you know, redoing them for for yeah. you. How many shoes did you initially commit to? So, after that first twenty five like or so or for the staff, we we make a size run okay. in trail and a size run in okay. road, just to like kind of and and what does that mean for our listeners? And there's a size run. Just like one <laughs> shoe in each size, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, probably like a dozen pairs yeah. in each. Yeah, yeah so like, you know, maybe yeah. 20, 20-ish yeah. pairs of shoes. Sure. And um, what happens is even back when I first had the Jazzy Zeros on, I had this guy come in, and he had tried everything. We're talking, you, you know these people. They oh, come yeah. into your store. They have the same knee problem, have had it the entire 10 years you've known them. Mm-hmm. It's like they've tried the most cushy shoe. They've tried the most stable and supportive shoe. They've done insoles and orthotics and PT. Their knee still hurts. And we're kind of at an impasse. And he's like, what's what's with your ugly shoes? You know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we you know, we kind of hacked up ones over we, here. We do this to them. And it looks like on film they make people run better. Um, but w- we really don't know. And he's like, well, let me try them. And I'm like, uh, they might hurt you. Right. you know, we, we have no idea. And he's like, well, let me just go for running them real quick. So I give him these hacked up modified shoes that hadn't been dubbed zero drop yet. And right. he goes and runs and he's gone a while. And I'm like thinking like, boy, there's that inventory. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I custom made these things, you know? Um, and he eventually comes back and he walks in the door. He's like, Oh, I'll buy them. Wow. And I'm like, no, those are mine. Right. You know? And did I mention like, the warranty is certainly voided. You know, we've cut crap out of these things. And he's like, well, I want a pair. I can tell they make me run different. And I think it might help. And will you you get me a pair? And so I'm like, yeah, we'll we'll make you a pair. So we get this guy a pair on one condition. Don't tell anybody. Right. Three weeks later, this guy comes in. He's like, all right, who sold Joe the hacked up shoes? Right. And I'm just like, dude, <laughs> yeah. like we said, don't tell anybody, you know, the vendors probably would not yeah. be happy about this. And, oh and no. The, like I'm the, thinking yeah. lawsuit, right? right, right. You know? and, and the vendor relationships, uh, that we have are, are fairly are important. All we, all, all we have in this, in, <laughs> yeah. in this industry. Right. Exactly. Right, right. Well, and I mean, keep in mind, my dad was the Western sales manager for Saucony, right. you know, my entire childhood, like right. my dad worked for Nike as well. Right. So like there's, you know, right. exactly. Right. Um, so anyway, this, this guy comes in and he's like, well, I want a pair too. I've known him forever. His knee hurts and now it's not so bad. And he says they make him run better. So, uh, you know, with, with better form and, uh, you know, can I, can I get some too? So I'm like, okay, one condition, like, please don't tell anybody, <laughs> you know, like, cause we really don't want to get sued. Never tell people not to tell people things. <laughs> right, right. Like that's when they do tell. All they want to do, yeah. It's like fast forward two months and it's Fight Club at Runner's Corner. Like people are coming into the store and they're like, "Yeah, I'd like to try the Zero Drop shoes." And we're like, "How do you even know about it?" You know, we're like, "Those things don't exist." They're right. like, "Oh, we know they're back there." You know, they're pointing <laughs> to the like shoe room behind the shoe wall. You know, and it's like, "Okay, what's the password?" <laughs> you right. know, like. Um, and you should have had like a speakeasy window. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was out of control. So. And it ends up being we get we get smart real quick because we know we're going to get sued, um, and so we just we're, we send people with this survey, and we we basically make this a research study, and so people have to take this 25, 25 question full page survey home, and bring it back 
in six weeks and, and we pay him 10 bucks of store credit or gift certificate or whatever. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the, the fact that we're selling these modified shoes is under the guise of research now. Got it. We want to find out, Smart. is it making things worse? Is it making things better? But more or less, we're conducting a research study. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff like what hurts more, what hurts less, what muscles are you using more, what muscles are you using less? Did your foot strike change where, what happened? Um, and you know, are your shoes wearing out in a different place? You're using different muscles, mm-hmm. you're getting sore in a different place, you know, all this kind of stuff. Are you modifying different brands or are you just- Oh yeah, we're modifying- Every brand. Every, wow. All our best-selling wow. shoes at right. this point. Wow. So as soon as people start coming in, it's like, right. okay, let's let's modify a size run of our top three selling road shoes and our top two selling trail shoes. Like how many, mod- and maybe I'm skipping ahead, how many modified shoes at your peak are you selling? Are you selling like two or three a day? Oh yeah, because we did we did a thousand pair in that first year, so that's like three a day that's out of one location. Unbelievable. Three sixty five right. days, a thousand right, pair. Right, it's about right. it's about three a day. Wow, yeah. that's so, incredible. Um, which that is, is incredible. It's a big so number. so you yeah, it's a huge number. So you knew you had something there. Yeah, um, well, especially when the surveys start coming back, right? And what we find is real quick, like when we put somebody in the same shoe they were used to but we cut out of the heel, so we made the shoe a little bit lower profile, they got sore calves for about three weeks. And you know, we're asking people, are you cool with that? They're like, well, yeah, I mean, my, my sore calves went away, but my knee doesn't hurt anymore. Right. So I'm gonna take that trade all day long. Yeah. And, but when we put them in a more cushioned shoe, we didn't see that. That went down to a few days to a week. Wow. Um, and just like you get really sore when you wear track spikes that have almost all distance track spikes have a 10 millimeter heel lift, right. um, your body senses, your body doesn't sense drop. It basically tunes it out because, you know, uphill, downhill happens all day long. So your body senses, I'm going to land on something soft and I don't have to brace for impact and use those muscles and get them sore, or I'm going to land on something hard and I do need to brace for impact and use those muscles. And that kind of lengthens that transition time. So we found wow. real quick, like the more cushy shoe we did, the less sore calves people got. Um, but we also had uh, a little bit better success with uh, lower profile shoes that did mm-hmm. give people sore calves as far as pulling pressure off the joints. And that leads right into all the research that I did right after this. So, so you, you, you did, yeah, you took a two year sort of hiatus um, figuring out like what you're going to do with this and building, you know, your own running shoe brand, which you ultimately did was, was obviously one of the things that you were thinking about, but were you thinking about selling this? I would imagine selling this technology to one of the major shoe brands that would have, that's, that would have seemed to have been the easiest way to get it out there to not selling, giving, giving. Yeah. So we, we took the surveys after that year, we had all these surveys, we had the data, we knew plantar fascia, shin splints, runner's knee, IT band, and low back were like Mm -hmm. the big five that we saw mass success with. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, just overwhelming success. Anyone with one of those five gets a pair of these things. We give them a little technique lesson and boom, like we see a huge improvement Mm -hmm. and the, and the, um, you know, the surveys were overwhelming. So we take the data to the running shoe companies. And again, my dad worked for Saucony. Sure. So we go there first, end. you know. Yeah. And those guys were kind of like, yeah, you guys might be right. Right. But uh, if if we were to build shoes like that, we kind of have to admit everything we've been doing the last 40 years is like not so right. <laughs> um, so where you are now, we'll kind of, we, we do know this. We're going right. to be there in about 20 years. Right. We're just going to slowly work our way there so we don't upset our current consumer base, which makes a lot of sense when you think about sure. it. Um, and you can't really fault that. Most everybody else, we got laughed out of the room by one company. Um, mm-hmm. But most everybody else basically told us like, hey, you know, we have shareholders and, and we answer to them and, you know, they're not going to 
that, that's a radical change. They're not going to go for this. Or, um, you know, don't you know the way running shoes are marketed? Impact is bad. Our cool cushioning technology fixes that. And you're basically saying you've invented a shoe that makes it so impact is taken up by this, you know, by by the body right. instead of by the shoe, making our technology irrelevant. You can see why we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I can see that, you know. Uh, but did I mention like all these injuries are going away? <laughs> you know, <laughs> they mentioned the end consumer is benefiting yeah, yeah. from this. Yeah, right? and like when when injuries go away, people run more. Right. And when people run more, they buy more shoes. That's good for me. That's right. good for you. That's good for them. That's that's what we call a win win win, and that right. just doesn't happen that often in this life, you know. Um, so let's do this, you right. know. And it just never happened. Nobody nobody yeah. wanted to jump it. So you take two years off, kind of figuring out what what the heck you want to do with this, and then you come up with this brand Ultra. Is that is that sort of the the lineage? of how things happen yeah more or less um my cousin jeremy got a pair and he had all these knee issues and all of a sudden he's running and he's like you know he asked me for a real pair and i'm like they're real and he's like no not made by you like i want one made by a company i'm like well i wouldn't have made them if they didn't if they existed you know right so he just can't even believe this goes and tries he's like of course shoes exist that let my toes you know, spread out right. and keeps my heel and forefoot level with the ground. That's, that's the position I get out of bed every morning in. Like that's the position people are born in. Of course there's shoes that exist like that. I'm like not running really shoes. Not. You know, there, there really isn't. And he goes and, you know, he comes back well there and he's like, they, they don't exist. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's uh, my favorite thing. When people like, yeah, come I back and tell you. you what you told them yeah, two yeah, weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I just managed a running store, you know? Right, <laughs> like, right. Um, and so he's like, well, we have to build them. You know, mm-hmm. this is on my birthday, by the way, um, when this all started. And, and I'm like, I know. Like, I've known for like a year and a half we have to build them. But it's called Career Suicide. Right. Uh, Name the last running shoe company that entered the market and took down one of the big seven and survived. And, and the person that did that that isn't homeless. Right. There aren't any. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Like, so it's, a, it's literally career suicide. And he's like... Oh, don't worry. I'll do everything. Don't really. We don't really have much to lose anyway. We're in our twenties. Like right. you know, you don't even have a family. Who right. cares if you're homeless? I'm right. like, okay, thanks. You know, uh, plus you just go. You know, you manage your running store. I'll do everything. I'm like, okay. Uh, let me just stop. But it is. It is. I mean, for for people who think it's easy, it's impossible to do what you just what you, what you ultimately were able to do. It's impossible because you're right. There's big seven vendors. Um, it's been an a, a amazing. It's been amazing last few years where we have seen some penetration mm-hmm. by Ultra. I'd say on Hoka mm-hmm. for, for us at Pacers Running, those have been the brands that have you guys specifically have been the biggest of, of, of all those uh, you know that we've seen growth from. Uh, but it is impossible. It takes a lot of money. Uh, it's a huge risk. A ton and it of just luck. doesn't happen, and it and and, and some and some luck too. Even yeah. if you got a good concept, oh yeah, um, it just it doesn't happen. Yeah. So you decide to even, even though that's the case and you agree with me, you decide to try it. Well, um, he finds these guys and these are like these superstars of shoemaking. So we're talking like VP of development at Adidas, the first guy to design a shoe in CAD, which is how all shoes are designed now. Um, and the, the, the last maker at Nike and the head of Nike University um, and the head of the kitchen at Nike, Nike's advanced concepts team. Mm-hmm. So this guy calls me up and he's like, hey, I heard about what you're doing. You know, I'm like we're getting sued. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, you're in trouble. That day is here. Right, right, finally. finally. You know, I, I thought it was coming. Yeah. Hang up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. They know us. <laughs> like, right. Um, and he's like, no, it's cool. I, I left Nike. Um, 
you know, Gary and Joe left Adidas. We've, we've known for 15 years shoes are supposed to be built this way. We're tired of building stuff we don't believe in. Hmm. Um, every time we come up with a cool concept or, or something that's science-based, it gets ruined by design or marketing or executives or all three but before it makes it to market. And so we want to build stuff like you're doing. And I'm just like, why are you calling me? Right. <laughs> what do I have anything to do? Oh, we're just old guys that know how to build shoes. You know, we don't know anything about running stores or the running industry. And uh, we don't have a marketing story. Right. You ran marathons as a kid. That's great. You know, yeah. like people That's love our that story. stuff. Um, and, um, we just heard that story. Yeah, I know, right? Story. Yeah. Yeah, so Everybody people, on this is listening knows that story. Yeah, now. yeah know. exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so there's all that. And I, I'm still a pretty good runner at this point. Um, and so they're like, you know, let, let's get together. You, you bring the marketing and the running store knowledge. We'll bring the knowledge of how to build shoes and, and let's do this. And so I go up to Vancouver, Washington, Portland, Oregon area, and me and Jeremy and a, another kid from my running store. And of course we bag South sister peak on the way up there in bend and we get there and we have a great time. Probably, we, do you know what he means when he says that? Uh, he does a, he runs the, uh, the, the peak, the sister peak, what's it? South sister. South yeah. sister. Yeah, he runs it. Yeah, when you say you bag a peak, it yeah. means you, uh-huh. you ran to top. the top and That's back. Right. Uh-huh. And you got the summits. You bagged it. Yeah. You know? I yeah. think Farley didn't know. <laughs> I did. I did. I, 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 I caught on. Uh, <laughs> Joanna knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I, oh, I knew I knew what he was talking about. In, in that case, usually if it's – you're usually right, but there, there – yeah. <laughs> There's a guy staring at us right yeah, now. It's, yeah, it's good. making it awkward. Um, uh, yeah, so, so you bag sister peak and yep. then you go – yeah. We go meet with these guys, yeah. and and so the first step is like, okay, we need a last, and we have this we have this stupid saying in shoemaking that we all laugh about. It's the the last is always first, okay? right? Um, because yeah, right, that's, that's a great. good pun. Um, and a we always last. say it. To I don't know day. if our listeners know yeah. what shoe last. It's the form are. the shoe's yeah. built yeah, around. Exactly. And without the shoe last, you can't do anything. Right. You know, you literally have to get the last built before you even can even really start designing the shoe because sure. it's literally the shape you're designing on. Right. It's, it's everything, and so. They're like, okay, we'll go pick a last. And, and so we have this discussion about, well, you know, can we avoid foot problems and can we, um, can we accomplish what we want to with letting the foot be a foot without the shoe being shaped like a foot? And, you know, these guys have all this biomechanical experience and shoe building experience. They're like, they're like no, it'll, it'll have to look like a foot. And I, I was like, well, I figured, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, it's going to be ugly. And I'm like, yeah, probably, but it's the right thing to do. Right. And we're we're in the business now of building the most science-based shoes possible, regardless of what they look at, like. And so, they're like, well, that doesn't exist. I mean, normally with shoemaking, you just go pick a last off the uh, out of the files and, and you build a shoe on it. That's just how people do it. Well, the other thing is we had to make shoes that were level heel to forefoot. Mm-hmm. No such thing. There were no lasts that were zero drop lasts. There were negative drop lasts for high jumpers, and there were positive drop lasts for everybody else, and and there's there's literally no flat, you know, zero drop last. So, so we have to spend three months developing and creating this last. So this is when I take my sabbatical, and this is where I find out that oh my gosh, everything I have been telling people my whole life is truly a lie, right. you know, <laughs> to, to some degree. And um, so there's this this period here, and and then next thing I know, we're a million dollars in debt, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, and that and that can yeah. happen quickly. Like people don't realize, like, you know, I could see it easily becoming a million and then turning into two. Mm-hmm. I mean, there you you got to spend a ton of money on this stuff, and you haven't even sold a shoe yet. Yeah. Exactly. So is there is there a company Ultra now at this point in time? No. No. No, we're just like. We're just some guys designing doing some zero shoes. drop stuff. Yeah, yeah. foot shaped, you know, yeah. zero drop shoe concept. I think at the time we were Evo is what we were calling ourselves. Okay. Evo running, um, like evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I take this sabbatical and I find like, oh my gosh, everything I've been telling people about cushioning is bull crap. Mm-hmm. Like everything that I've been telling people about pronation has no science behind it. Um, like the surfaces we run on, it's completely the opposite of what I thought it was. And foot problems do not come from where I thought they did. And they're not solved the way I think they were solved. Right. And so it really changes the entire, um, these four areas, re- the science of these things really changes the entire way you design a shoe when you truly understand the science behind the way cushioning works, pronation works, uh, the surfaces we run on work, and the injuries that come thereof, and then also um, where foot problems come and how, how they truly should be treated long term. And so that's like kind of the four areas I love to kind of tell people about because it's, it's fascinating stuff at right. the end of the day. And it really influenced everything that Alter became. So you're a million dollars in debt. Mm-hmm. You've got a concept. You know, you're, you're, you're start, at this point, have you built the last? I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so by the, the time we get that, we built yeah. the last. We've, yeah. we've, we've developed the shoes. Shoe, and right. Uh, we got shoes on order. They're, they're on the water. They're, they're coming so here. So they're, they're, they're coming to you. We've been to hell and back 50 times. And, and, we've yeah, been on the brink of how many, I mean, So how many shoes do you initially make? Uh, 2,500. 2,500 shoes. Yeah. So it takes, based for our listeners, it takes That's about, a, like smallest amount right. anybody would ever build. Yeah. yeah. It takes a million bucks to build 2,500 shoes. Yeah. At least to develop them. Yeah. And everything, do everything that, it, everything that, that it. yeah. So you could sell those, let's say you sell them for, you know, a hundred bucks each or whatever it was. I mean, yeah. that, the math doesn't really work. No, it's not good. Yeah. So, um, are you stressed out at this point? Uh, are you like beyond? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I lived in Hawaii, so that was my one saving grace yeah, is like, right. you know, I used to drive to the airport white knuckled. I'm going to miss my flight, freaking right. out, super stressed. And, and at this point, I drive to the airport late for my flight, probably going to miss it. And I'm like, it is what it is, bro. Right, like, right, right. You can't change it. So <laughs> what's the worst thing that can happen? You know? Well, yeah, you go bankrupt. Which, but I've uh, got, you know, I've got Brian Beckstead, who now runs our company. Right. And I've got Jeremy, my cousin, and both of them have kids and families. And they're, you know, Br- Jeremy's about to lose his house. And right. Brian's about to be evicted. And like, you know, so and, yeah, yeah, we're stressed. Yeah. And you're, you're <laughs> all in on and everybody's pulling resources from wherever you can, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, were you able to find funding? Um, so, so we got the, the first money, um, well, we got some money from Brian's dad. Mm-hmm. My dad couldn't put money in cause he owned a shoe store and that would look really bad, mm-hmm. especially if the whole thing went bottom up. Mm-hmm. Uh, although he offered, um, and then, uh, yeah, Brian's dad basically mortgaged the house and got us 50 grand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, this guy, Joe Morton, who started this company called Zango built it from the ground to a billion dollar company. Um, we actually, sh- uh, early on me and Jeremy showed him. Uh, we didn't have drawings of the shoes. We basically said, hey, we, we hack up these shoes. People run better. Their injuries get better. Here's the surveys. And he's like, uh, you know, let, let me talk to my wife. We'll, we'll think about it. We'll call you tomorrow. And we're like, this guy's not going to do anything. Right. Next morning, he's like, I got you. I'll give you your first quarter meal. We'll, we'll get you until we can get some shoes built. Yeah, wow. this is like Shark Tank. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Except uh, this guy is just like the nicest guy right, ever. Right. And totally believed in our concept. We didn't even have a drawing of a freaking shoe. Right. You know, it was just like. Yeah, we hack up here's shoes a, and these injuries go away. Yeah, um, here's a quarter million. Yeah, yeah, here's a quarter million. And and by the way, which, I'll give you all the business guidance you need, which was worth incredible. way more than yeah. that. I mean, this guy saved our bacon a hundred times. But but it, but a quarter million doesn't even get you where you need to even close to be, which is just yeah. cr- crazy. Yeah. Uh, so you're yeah. So what are your options when you're white knuckling to the airport, stressed, million dollars in debt? Like what do you? Because you're not a fundraiser. I mean, right. you're, 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 and we were guy, trying, you're but runner, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. You're, you're a guy who loves to help people who knows a ton about shoes and, and, and 
worked in a running store and was a really good marathoner as a kid. I yeah. mean, what, that, you're not a fundraiser. Yeah. Right? So Brian is out spending almost all his time trying to raise funds, yeah. you know, at this point in time. And we're just trying to hold this thing together. And yeah. like I said, it's on the brink of extinction over and over and over. And, you know, we get this offer from Icon Health and Fitness. Basically, they're, uh, you know, the, the CEO is like, hey, I, I run on the treadmill barefoot and it, it feels really great, but I, I, you know, I love that I don't have this heel under my shoe and I love that my toes can spread out, but I'd love to have a little cushioning, you know. Mm-hmm. And we had already pitched this guy that worked for him that was Steve Young's best friend because we were trying to pitch it to Steve Young. And um, Steve Young is football player yeah. for. Uh, I was going to yeah. say that, but I want to invest in a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and and I'm a big fan of Steve Young. Yeah. So BYU quarterback. Yeah, BYU That's quarterback. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Super Bowl record holder. Yeah. Etc. Joanna knew all that stuff, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. anyway, this guy Jim Herman is is with Scott, the CEO, and he's telling Jim Herman this, and Jim's like, uh, I kind of know these guys that already invented that. Um, and Scott's like, we'll get him on the phone. Mm-hmm. So he calls us up and nine painful months later when, you know, everybody's about to lose their house, <laughs> we're like, okay, um, you know, buy the company from us and, right. and take away all of our debt. And, uh, the shoes are already on the water at this point. They're already shipping. So we right. have to divert them from like coming to like the running store garage and Brian's garage to actually going into the, to the warehouse of, of our new, mm-hmm. uh, you know, partner that has just bought our company more or less. And, and that was kind of how it all kicked was off. That, was that tough for you emotionally? I mean, you know, I, I, I know you never got in it to make a ton of money, and you've done really yeah. well. You've there was no intention well. of making money yeah, you did, for me. You've done extremely yeah. well, but is it, was it tough to, to sell this company early on before it really was what it is now? I think it would have been tough. It would have been tougher later. At yeah. the time, it wasn't anything. We hadn't actually sold a pair of shoes. Sure. We had a bunch of orders. Yeah. Um, you know, we went to the running event and 23 stores signed up, wow. and, and we had pre-orders for all these shoes, but we hadn't actually sold a pair at retail. And at that point, I think we were just so fried mm-hmm. and so on the verge of extinction that it was actually just a huge emotional relief mm-hmm. to be like, okay, we don't have to worry about raising money anymore. We don't have to worry about the back end. We don't have to worry about shipping and all this other stuff. We can just, I can just mostly focus Run on the company. running the company and, and building shoes. And Brian can focus on sales and Jeremy can focus on marketing and we can go yeah. and do this thing. That's and at the time it just seemed like a big relief. You yeah. Know? Um, so. Yeah. And you, you, you name the brand ultra ult- yeah. ultimately. Why, why wouldn't you name it Harper's or I, I, w- I would name my brand Farley's if I would love to have <laughs> Farley shoe out there. And yet you and yet your store is Pacers. Right. Not, uh, I know. Farley's, well, yeah. I bought an existing store yeah, years yeah, yeah. ago. So I, I yeah, I, I probably would have. I probably I don't know if changing the name to Farley's would be good. Enough, but. <laughs> well, this is all about fixing broken yeah. people. So yeah. our first name was Altera. Okay. And Altera meant to mend or fix that which is broken. Mm-hmm. And then Altera, the software company, said they'd sue us. <laughs> and our our lawyer was like, we will easily win this lawsuit, but it's going to cost X amount of dollars and takes X amount of time, and we don't have either. Um, so you're going to have to change the name. So I'm thinking, well, I'm altering shoes. You know, Brian and I are training for ultra marathons. You know, you kind of take – and we're, we're, we're definitely an alternative to other shoe brands. So take alternative and alter and ultra to kind of mash them together, and you get this, this word ultra. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're kind of like a little dense and didn't realize it's just Altera without an E. Um, <laughs> and we resubmit it to the Trademark Commission, who would almost never approve a one-letter change. Right. You know, that's just like completely insane to even submit it. And they come back and approve it. 
Wow. And we're like, oh my gosh, so we, we got this trademark, you know. And, and the first shoes actually say Altera on them, like the first prototypes. Um, we had to change it after molds had been made so that there goes like 20 grand, you know, right. which is really hard at the time. Right. Um, but uh, so Altera is, you know, comes from this word Altera that meant to mend or fix that which is broken. I really felt like that was my mission was to mend or fix broken runners by getting them a product and giving them the education to help them run in a way that's more protective to their body um, or stand or walk or whatever it happens to be. And then also, um, then after the shoe companies didn't care that we had all this data showing that it got rid of injuries, I felt like we're kind of trying to mend or fix a broken industry. Mm -hmm. You know, it broke my heart as somebody who loved all these shoe companies to hear them tell me that we don't really care that you have this thing that's making yeah. injuries better. That's not what it's about. It's about marketing and sales and all this other stuff. So, Well, there's a lot in between, but uh, I will fast forward to now where um, Ultra has been our fastest growing brand in our stores. Uh, we were late adopters. Uh, it must have been tough to get. I mean, how many stores are you in now? I mean, it must have been tough to get to where you are now. Yeah, we're in uh, about 2,000. Wow. Yeah. And, and you're, you're in the States. Are you in anywhere else outside the U.S.? Uh, 55 countries now. Wow. That's, yeah. a, that's absolutely there's, incredible. There's actually countries like Norway where we're much bigger per capita there than we are in the United States. Wow. Like much bigger. I mean, that's we would that's be crazy. in like the dicks of Norway and, right. and we're a top three brand in there. It's like, you know, Adidas, Nike, Ultra that's know, crazy. Um, type of thing. So. And, and, and Golden came to our store, you know, years ago and I, um, I, 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 I ushered, ushered I him out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I did that at the time. Uh, uh, had I known that he had the world record for a 12 year old marathon, maybe, maybe yeah. if you had won that six foot trophy, <laughs> I know, you could have brought that with you. Bring yeah. it with you. You're yeah. asking the question, what would you do with it now? That gets you in the store and <laughs> yeah. presses guys maybe. like this guy. Well, yeah. I sure what I should have done. I should have been like, I don't know why I never used this. I should have been like, hey, let's race. Right. You know, you win, you don't carry our shoes. Right. I win. <laughs> You try them out for 90 days, and if you don't yeah. sell them, we'll take them back. Right. But it, you, I just get a you try. Would have, you would have smoked me. I should have done that. You that would have been smooth. You're pretty fast, nah, though. You know? nah, not, not, so. uh, yeah. not, uh, not, to that, not to that level. Um, but so you, you, you've hustled your way in to, to uh, you know, like you said, 2,000 doors across the country, which is incredible. And it's, it, it really has been – your brand is, is hustling, and that's just who you guys are and continue yeah. to – to be that right i mean that is like uh you ultra it's just kind of a blue collar brand right yeah, totally that's just it's what we do yes yeah. i mean you meet our people you will see this like this is we're not suits right we, we, most of it i'm like the only guy that even owns a suit like okay, you know right. like <laughs> right so uh yeah we're we're very you know i think i'd like to think we're down to earth approachable blue collar and we, we work our butts off. Yeah, you know, and we, we fight for everything we no, get, you and do. it's hard. You know, yeah. it's still hard. You know, uh, this is a brand that it looks too different. You know, people look down and see a shoe that's shaped like their feet; they've never seen it before. Mm -hmm. it freaks them out. You know, you almost have to have a friend like wrap an arm around them and be like, "Look, I know they look weird to you. You get used to it. You just are not. You know, things that you haven't seen before look strange. The more you see them, the more normal they get. But like, it works. You know." it will improve your technique. You know, your toes will be able to spread. Your foot will start working like a foot and all these foot problems you have will feel better. And, and when people do that, it really spreads word of mouth and it's taken word of mouth to spread this brand. And that's why we have to be a blue collar brand. Yep. We can't run ads and grow our brand. 
um, people just look at the shoes and be like, why would I try that weird looking shoe? Right. You know? um, it, it takes somebody, a personal suggestion. It, yeah. Or, it's so, it's testimonial. so, it's so great that they need the secret password uh, 12 years ago. Cause that, n- you don't need the secret password now, but, yeah. but that's what it is. Like that's how the word has spread. Just yeah, as an exclusive guys. for our listeners. Can you tell us the secret password <laughs> just, and, and people don't share it. Yeah. Uh, my dad's name is Hawk, like the birds. So I think the secret okay. password is Hawk. Hawk. Okay. Yeah. Hawk. Yeah. Well, Joanna's got the Torrens on. Uh, Docs has got the Escalantes. I've got the Cades on. Uh, so you've even branched. I mean, you've got more than just you know. You 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 guys are huge in the trail market. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've got huge and you've gotten huge in, into the obviously the road running market. And I'm wearing these are my dress shoes, man. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm casual uh, shoes. Ca- yeah, these are my my yeah. Just kick it. Yeah, they, yeah. They, so and they're super comfortable, and you know you don't have to wear those um, those clunky, uncomfortable casual shoes anymore. And yeah. and these these guys really have done done well for me. Well, and I think people think shoes are comfortable till they experience a shoe that's actually shaped like their feet. Right. You know. And we tell people to take the 30-day foot-shaped toe box challenge. Mm-hmm. So once you get used to wearing an Ultra, um, take 30 days and wear nothing but foot-shaped shoes. So that could be, you know, it could be you wear flip-flops around. Um, and after 30 days of doing this, you go back to put on a regular running shoe. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, I can feel that, you know. You don't feel too much at first. But within a couple hours, it's all the way up yeah. the shins. It's into the knee. It's like, goodness. You know, my toes aren't able to do their thing anymore, and I can see how the shoe's actually really jacking with my body, which is fascinating when you think crazy. about it. So, Well, we could go on and on, um, but uh, we... We haven't? We we, <laughs> we got to get... We gotta get <laughs> We're to just it. getting started. I know, Come we on. Really, we really... We We're going to do, do part two later. We'll yeah, do the we'll science do, of running. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk do, about our four, yeah. you know, cushioning pronation surfaces and, we're gonna, we're, and yeah. whatnot later. No, we'll, we'll get you back <laughs> on for that. We'll talk about your, your, your DJ career, which... I can't believe you even had time to be a DJ. Well, this is high this. school, you know. Okay. All right. Yeah. But you're working the store. You're running 100 miles a week in high school and DJ. That's that's pretty impressive. What, what's, what, what kind of music, what kind of records did you spin as a DJ? It was an alternative rock station. Okay. So high school alternative rock okay. station. So uh, we we had kind of a set list that was randomized by the computer. And then we got to choose every like fourth song. Ah, got so it. Well, I was spinning a lot of cool like live versions of songs that were better than the album versions and and you know people start calling in after a while like where how'd you get that that was way better than the version i know you know right this is it yeah well so if you're a store who's going to have golden in you see these are the behind the scenes nuggets that you can uh that you can take and talk to him about the next time he's at your store because you you do make rounds uh around the you go around the country right yeah you're on the tour now so yeah all the time that's awesome i'm out there yeah if you really want me goldenharper.net yep. contact me and yeah. uh you know the with the right amount of bribery i'll be there all right well we got a great, <laughs> we've got a great event at the pacers running uh alexandria store tonight uh so i i can't wait to to listen to more of 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 this story tonight and yeah so if you're a listener and you're outside the dc area community you know yeah Talk to your local running store. Get them to get golden in town and uh, have them tell his story because it is an awesome one. All right, man. I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for coming to Pacers this this uh, uh, last couple days, and uh, thanks for spending some time and telling your story. Yeah, it's been great. It's been super fun. Thanks for having me, all of you. Uh, it's been a blast, and, and we'll keep trucking. We'll, we'll do it again. Yeah. All right, that's Golden Harper. He is the founder of of Ultra. He joined us here on Pace Nation. We're going to take a quick break and be right back after this. (laughs) 
All right, welcome back to the program, and thanks again to Ultra founder Golden Harper for joining us today on the program. I think it's worth noting that it's Ultra with an A mm-hmm. and not Ultra with a U. Yeah, I I, I I agree. I think a lot of people confuse that because mm-hmm. um, an ultra marathon would be something that you could confuse it for. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's ultra with an A. Right. right. Yeah. And he uh, explained that when uh, he was talking about the trademark that they just took a letter off mm-hmm. and, and, and trademarked the. Well, they took the letter off the end. Off the end, correct. Not not off the beginning. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really big on letters this week. Well, that's. (laughs) I'm glad you made that note. (laughs) What? What? Give me a note from Ultra's interview or a Golden's interview, I should say. That. Yeah. uh, Yeah, Joanna. Yeah. What? 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 What was your takeaway? And you can't use the same one I just used. Oh, my note was going to be that I need to think more creatively about my kitchen appliances. (laughs) That's good. Mm -hmm. That's a good note. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Joanna, tell us more about what kitchen appliances you have. I really don't have very many. (laughs) we got to have a waffle maker and a toaster. Uh, No, I bet she does not. I definitely don't have a waffle maker. I do have a toaster, though. The only other real appliance that I have besides like a microwave and an oven um, is my tea kettle. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. That only counts as an appliance in in the UK. You're big into the tea thing. In in America, no. Well, I plug it in, though. Mm -mm. Not an appliance. Okay, not an appliance. Mm -hmm. Well, what would you call it? I'm just telling it how it is, Farley. Okay. Well, is it a What's the point of that pot? woman with an umbrella? To block the sun. It's, it's a translucent <laughs> umbrella. That's true. That's kind of weird. That's clear. Yeah. Hey, speaking of that, uh, how come you think your puns are so great, but you hate everybody else's puns? I've never seen anybody, like, <laughs> have puns that doesn't appreciate other people's puns. Um, I would. This is also an observation mm-hmm. from the uh, interview, Farley. Yes. Uh, I would say that I do appreciate other people's puns, but I feel like puns are supposed to be groaned at. You yeah. do? Yeah. They're supposed to be like what your parents would say, and then you groan. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, so, so I feel like good. the best way to appreciate them is to roll your eyes or groan. So when you roll your eyes and groan, that's you actually complimenting, kind of like the in, punster, yeah. in some countries... <laughs> In some countries, burping after a meal. That's exactly what I was thinking okay. of. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Okay. Well... I uh, don't know how we went went there, but uh, thanks again to <laughs> Ultra founder um, Golden Harper for joining us. Uh, I think uh, his world record twelve year old marathon uh, is is incredible and probably will never be <laughs> never be broken. And I and I, you know, I ran. Did you have him on because of his 12, 12 yeah. year old world record? We could have just talked about that. I think. I know yeah. you didn't I'm, actually. I'm you didn't talk about. He just ran a marathon. Did you even bring that up in the interview? No, I didn't. G- guess what? He just ran uh, yeah. his first marathon in, in a while. however many years, uh, and on twenty miles training. Guess what he does? Yeah, two thirty-five. Yeah, you don't have to guess. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you. Pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Wow. Um, well, Golden. Uh, is is doing great stuff at ultra so yeah if you haven't tried their shoes give them a shot we got them in all pacers running locations and this podcast of course is sponsored by pacers running pacers running with five area dc locations pacers running is for every run uh we sadly closed our princeton store this past week uh so joanna thanks for all your help closing the store uh so we are thrilled to have the marathon up in new jersey but no longer have uh the retail store up there so I want to give thanks to uh, Steve and his staff 
uh, for all the hard work that they've done over the years. It was a great run. Um, we decided to go a different direction, and maybe that's something we'll talk about on the show in the future. I think it's an interesting topic, and uh, you know, that uh, another tease for another future episode there. Man, this is the second one, Farley. I know, and I and I and I still I, I know there's don't there's, forget. I, I still have that one that you're going to be really interested in. I feel like you're going to forget. I won't forget. I need the listeners to keep reminding him, please. Uh, so, Docs, um, mm-hmm. I, I kept this to the end because I'm really excited about this uh, uh-huh. field trip. You're the kind of guy who likes to eat dessert after the meal. <laughs> yeah, doesn't, isn't that <laughs> mostly what people do? No. Uh, Sarah Sellers eats chocolate cake for uh, breakfast. That's true. Um, Joanna wouldn't know that, though. She uh, doesn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Docs... Uh, field trips are usually for high school or uh, middle school students, as uh-huh. I teased. I don't know uh, what, why you're so against what, elementary school kids right, going that's on a true. field trip. But, but what, in this case, you were right. How did how, how did you end up on a field trip? I enrolled in my local junior high. <laughs> and you got that much time on your hands? I know. Yeah. Somebody give me a job, please. Uh, so you went on a field trip. I did go on a field Where trip. Where did you today. go? Went to Washington, D.C. Have you wow. ever heard of it? Yes, I do. I run Actually, there part of it was in Arlington, too. Okay. We went to all of the monuments. This was this was a junior high history uh, field field trip, uh, and in the middle of the field trip, one of the teachers said, "Hey, we should have brought Farley on this, and you guys could have done your quiz show." <laughs> a listener, a listener. Uh-huh. I love that the teacher is a listener. Yeah. Uh, that is uh, well, listener. That's uh, your favorite kind of person. Teacher, teacher, listener. Um, I think that was a good. That's a good idea. Uh, do you have any other field trips planned? Because I'm I'm all in. I love bits. But I think I think that this was like the last legit field trip that they're doing. They were talking about they do a field trip to Bush Gardens, mm. hmm. and they also went on this amazing spring break trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I I basically got in as a chaperone on the bottom level. You know the the introductory. They wanted to make sure that in one day I didn't lose any kids. Uh, I did not. For the most part, they all came back. Um, it, but one of them did walk away when we were at the World War II monument, and it freaked me out. But yeah. uh, they're, you know, they're they're smart kids and they're good kids. But uh, so I'm trying to work my way up that that uh, that uh, field trip the, ladder. What's the educational benefit of? Bush yeah, it seems Gardens. really boring to me. At I'm Bush sorry. Gardens. <laughs> oh, but, oh, oh, I was Bush Gardens would be fine. I was talking about. Oh my god! <laughs> well, I thought I literally All thought the you monuments. Were, I thought you so were here's, asking about the educational benefit of the monuments. No, that's obvious to me. Yeah. Okay, so that you and I just wow. Okay, not on the same wavelength. Yeah, not, not so I have two two different questions here. First of all, today's field trip we started off at the 9/11 memorial. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry to say that this was the first time that I've been there. Uh, really cool. I was very impressed. I thought it was, uh, it's, it's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we went to the Roosevelt Memorial, Martin Luther King Is Memorial. Roosevelt in, in Arlington? No. The only one that was in Arlington is the, uh, oh, Roosevelt the Island is, is in Arlington. Roosevelt okay, Island's in Arlington. Gotcha. But, gotcha. but I went to the, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Gotcha. Memorial. Mm-hmm. On the Tidal Basin. Mm-hmm. On the Tidal okay. Basin. It has four different rooms, Farley. Do you know why it has four different rooms? Uh, because he had four different kids? Yes. 
<laughs> is that true? <laughs> no. I don't know. No. I don't know. Uh, Room for each kid? I don't know. That's a good thought. That's yeah. a good thought. It's uh, not really a good thought. But uh, <laughs> Then why'd you say it was a good thought? Because I'm having fun. All this right. is the quiz show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we went to Do the... Do you know that answer? Yeah, four different terms. Oh, okay. That's well, How could you have four different terms? Read the Constitution. Wait a second. Uh-huh. You can only have two terms. I know that. After his presidency, they did change the Constitution. Okay. There's, right. It's an amendment. Okay. Uh, let's watch a YouTube video. Now that jerk will be happy. <laughs> uh, how a bill becomes a law, uh, which has nothing to do with amendments. Take that, new inventions. Yeah, new inventions. Now, now uh, then we went to the Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Memorial. We walked there. And then we ha- the next activity was crossing Independence Avenue as a group. Mm. Uh, How many kids were there? <laughs> well, my group was only eight. Oh, so, okay. So you had to yeah. cross that road in your little groups, but there was – everybody else had. In middle school, they're not, like, all holding hands like they would uh, in, in, like – well, I'm in the daycare. Well, the ones that are canoodling are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Different con- con- connotation. Right. right. Um, okay. Yeah. No, you, yeah, you're not, you're not, like, crossing the street and asking everybody to hold hands. Gotcha. But, okay. Uh, middle school kids are independent, so you're a little bit concerned about them – like walking out into the street, right. people will not stop. I had to tell them, people won't stop at Independence. Uh, canoodling, canoodling, yeah, canoodling. Like, I mean, that's a ridiculous <laughs> term. Is that? Um, All right, sorry, go ahead. Then we went to the World War One Monument. Farley, do you know what is uh, special and significant about the World uh, War One Monument on the Mall? I am glad we did not do this <laughs> this uh, field trip. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm very very glad actually. Now that uh-huh. you uh, asked me these questions. Um, the World War One m- monument mm-hmm. at the mall. Do you know um, where it is? Tidal Basin. It's across the street from the Tidal Basin, yeah. but it's on the mall. Okay. Uh, it's. I, I think I'm picturing it. It's got all these like s- different sort of s- like statues. Uh, <sighs> that's the World War Two, or that's the Korean. Right. The statues, I, the statues in the bushes. That's the Korean memorial. No, these are like tombstone type things. I think that I think that's, that's World, World War II. II. I think oh, okay. the way he was doing his hand, I think that was World War okay. II. No, uh, Joanna, let's skip to the answer. Do you know? I now you're making me second guess myself. Go it's, ahead. It's in front of the White House, right? No. No. What is, where's World War One? It's between oh, World War Two and is the, it the, the. It's the pavilion, the yeah. rotunda. Okay. Yeah. So do you know the significance of that? What's, what separates that from the other monuments on the mall? I don't think I do. It only celebrates Washington, D.C. residents. Oh, I did know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, we'll give you credit. Yeah. Since you did know that. Well, maybe I knew that, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can easily sniff out that lie. Okay. So that... Uh, then, then we had lunch. And, okay. And, uh, Was it a brown paper bag lunch, or did you go to lunch? We were supposed to bring a brown paper bag lunch, and I was the kid that didn't bring a lunch. Mm. And so, all, so you had to go to the hot dog stand. I wanted to go to the dirty water hot dog stand, but mm-hmm. there wasn't there. So uh, I was like people just giving me food. Like I realized this morning, I was like, I think on a field trip you're supposed to pack a lunch. So I grabbed this giant can of raisins because mm-hmm. that's the only thing I had in my oh, house mm. and a tangerine. Did you think that you could trade those for things? I, yeah, it was like I, got, I can't come empty-handed. You know, and I told everybody that that's what I had, and they're like, "Okay, he's just being an idiot." And then I pull it out, and they're like, "That's this idiot. He is an idiot. That's really all he brought for lunch." 
And and so then somebody gave me a half a sandwich, and somebody gave me uh, a protein bar, and uh, and then I, somebody gave me a phone charger. So it all worked out. Wow. Um, and then we went to the World War II monument. Uh, I don't really have a World War II question. I can ask you what I asked you earlier. What's the significance of Pearl Harbor? Um, I mean, I've been to Hawaii and saw where Pearl Harbor happened. That's correct. Joanna? <laughs> I mean, it was okay. like... What, we, what, was, what is Pearl Harbor? It was like you, you know, they bombed the Japanese. That's right. That's where we bombed the Japanese. Okay, so then after that, uh, we went to the Vietnam Memorial. I could be doing a bit, like, you know, playing dumb. <laughs> I could be. You never know. Yeah. Uh, and then um, we every, went to, Every UVA grad out there is, like, cringing. Yes. Um, no, not, not just, just the, the UVA. UVA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went to the Vietnam Memorial. And an interesting thing about everything I know about the Vietnam Memorial is I learned on Drunk History recently. Hmm. And they gave us a fact sheet, and everything on the fact sheet literally was on the television show Drunk History. So I asked the teachers. I was like, did you just copy this from Drunk History? They said, no, they hadn't seen it yet. But do you know how old the architect was who designed that memorial? Twelve. Very close. Joanna. Eighteen. Not as close. Twenty-one. That was cl- closer than 12. Well, 12, you have the right numbers, just uh, in the wrong order. Got it. That's why it's close. Okay. Uh, she was a 21-year-old architecture student. Wow. And, and she won the bid. That she, they had a contest, and she won the, the was contest. Was she from Penn State? Uh, that might be. Maybe. I don't remember. Pennsylvania sounds right. Um, so, And then we went to the Lincoln Memorial, and this is where Farley would be interested. Mm-hmm. They were taping introductions for Wheel of Fortune. So we saw Pat Jack and Vanna White. Nice. I are do they, like Wheel are of they Fortune. in town, Wheel of Fortune, this week? They were there today. Hmm. Well, I, I like... Uh I, I, I do like Wheel of Fortune. Believe it or not, you know, there's three options. Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, uh, or Family Feud. Uh, I, Those I'm are usually, the three options. <laughs> I'm usually Family Feud. I mean, at that time slot, mm-hmm. I'm usually the Family Feud guy. Really, you watch Family Feud? Yeah, that's the only TV on I down. watch. Yeah, that's the only TV I watch. So it's yeah. like every week you mention something that's the only TV that you watch. Yeah. So what was and the highlight? Doesn't of, count. What was the highlight of the field trip for you? Well, then we went Pat to the, Jack and no, White. No, I I wanted to go over there. You know that like they're at the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. And you go over there, and the the Wheel of Fortune security staff comes over and says, y'all need to be quiet. And I'm like, you're really going to try to silence me at the steps of the Lincoln Memorial? (laughs) That's true. That's difficult to do. Mm -hmm. And then we went to the Korean War Memorial. Mm -hmm. And then we got on the bus, and I counted all the kids, and I was very nervous. Uh, And then I asked one of the kids, please count the rest of... Please, please double check my work. And she's like, I hate counting people. And I said, just count. Uh, do you believe the kids had a good time or not a good time? I let them get ice cream. Mm. And, okay. and so they, they, and brought, they got raisins. No, the kids <laughs> didn't get raisins. Yeah, well, they could have gotten raisins. Uh, so. I, think, I think the kids did. And actually, at, at one point, they wanted to go with one of the teachers uh, so that they could learn more because I didn't wow. really have my facts on these things. Wow. But you had the fact sheet and you just watched uh, Drunk History. Yeah. No, I gave them some of the stuff, but there were, there were other things. The teachers are way better at this than I am, mm. which is fine. 
Uh, that's their job. My job was to not lose kids. All right. Well, well done, Docs. Um, it was fun. It was, trip. it was a good way to spend the day. I'm exhausted today. <laughs> I'm sure. I had to get up. I just had to get up. Right. Um, <laughs> well, you did You did your good deed of the month, my friend. Well done. And it's early in the month. It it's is. the beginning of the month. Well done. And, and due to time constraints, I apologize for not having a trivia question about the Lincoln Memorial or right. the Korean War. Well, Joanna, uh, let's ask him a Korean War question. That's that's fine. Farley, it's, when did the Korean War end? Um, I like the golden trivia better than this. I like talking <laughs> about shoes and and uh, yeah, I would like his his trivia trivia questions much uh-huh. more than yours. I mean, Korea, well, just take a guess. Korean War. When yeah, did just take it a end? guess. Thirty eight. At nineteen thirty eight. Yes. Oh my God. What what what? When did it actually end? Well, the Korean War was after World War Two. That doesn't help me. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Joanna, do you know when the Korean War ended? Uh, 1956? No, you're both way off. It's still going on. But they might do that. It's in the news right now. That's why it's relevant, yeah. that they might actually finally end the Korean War. All right, guys. Episode 153 in the books. Holy cow, 153. Thanks again to... Ultra's founder, Golden Harper, for joining us on today's Pace the Nation program. Good to have the whole crew back together. Uh, exciting episodes. I got a lot. I've teased a number of guests. A lot of good episodes to uh, to come here in the near future. Uh, but thanks again to Golden. Thanks to you, the listeners. Thanks to Joanna for driving all the way from Jersey to make Just this for the podcast. make this thing happen. And thanks to Docs for all your hard work editing. Thanks to Joanna, the intern. And again, I'll thank the listeners again. Even you who gave us bad feedback, new inventions. We appreciate you listening. All right. I'm Chris Farley. This is Pace the Nation. We will see you next week. was going to say was uh, <laughs> while you were talking about all that I was going to say Farley nobody wants the whole story just tell us yes or no did you break three hours <laughs> <laughs>